A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tools Tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is Force Center, a show about Star Wars, pop culture, and the ultimate adventure, life itself. I'm Ken Napsok. I'm Joseph Scrimshaw. And I'm Jennifer Landa. And we are here, oh, finally, finally, to begin our discussion on the Disney Plus Star Wars series, Ahsoka. Is it a little bit late? Well, yeah, you know the reasons why, but we're finally here to dive in. What's at stake in Ahsoka? And Joseph, we'll say up top before we get to even our, our A of the day, uh, There's, uh, we'll explain more in a second. But this is not an episode by episode. This is an overall deep dive into the themes. 
That is right. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about it, but we basically just wanted to start our Ahsoka coverage with the thing that Force Center often talks about, which is the big ideas, but there is uh, much more Ahsoka coverage to come. That's right. And we want to remind you, as always, today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash Center. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MB3 player, MP3 player. A little bit later, <laughs> we have our uh, Force Center recommends an audiobook we think you should try out on us. We are on YouTube with our faces today, the first show public facing uh, with all three of us running cameras, and we're happy to be here. And because of that, Joseph, we're going to dive right in. What's at stake in Ahsoka? Let's take a look. That is right. We are excited to finally be able to fully, thoroughly discuss Ahsoka. Uh, this is a show that featured roughly, you know, about eight things per episode that we would normally do a two-hour episode about. So this is uh, a lot to talk about in Ahsoka. Uh, instead of looking at each individual episode, like Ken was saying, we're going to do a series of shows about Ahsoka. We'll cover uh, major topics like Anakin's appearance, Kind of a major thing. Uh, live action Thrawn, live action Rebels characters, the weird pulpy side of Ahsoka, all the witches and the whales, uh, probably a Balin and Shin special, uh, eight episodes about Hu Yang, if I have my way personally, and much more. But like we said, we want to start with the ideas, the themes, what's at stake in Ahsoka, the why of the story. But before we dive into all those uh, uh, big themes and ideas, um, we're each going to share a, a quick summary of our journey with the show. I think we all love some parts. I think we were challenged uh, by some parts of the show. Our All of our initial viewing experiences was impacted by the strikes. We've all watched it again since the strike. So, Ken, I want to start with you. What's your arc with the show, your relationship with it? Yeah, man, I was immediately challenged by the show, uh, <laughs> which, uh, you know, again, the circumstances of the strikes and some of the stuff we already discussed on that, that reconnecting to Star Wars episode. And and, and I and I think the first three episodes kind of were, were a slog for me to get through. Future rewatches might just begin on episode four. Um, but this was a show that brought a great amount of joy to, to folks. And at one point, after a few conversations I had in person, I've mentioned them on shows before with our old buddy Mike Black, um, uh, my buddy uh, the outlaw Adam Knight when his 10-year-old daughter is a big Ahsoka fan. When I had those discussions, it reminded me of, of why we've come together as a team on Force Center, uh, of finding the parts in these things that you enjoy, uh, letting other people have that joy and celebrate the reasons why, and also just engaging with what's presented to you really helped. And that helped on a rewatch. And I just was able to pull back and, and let that kind of be what this show is for me right now and there's going to be future engagements and rewatches and discussions and as always i think uh, having these discussions has changed my view on other parts of star wars that i might have might at first have not enjoyed colorful scooters i don't like that no i do uh space whales key to this show i used to be on a lot of shows going silly space whales that's not the case anymore so uh, i'm excited to uh, continue my journey with soka oh that's great and you did you did rewatch it right <laughs> I absolutely did rewatch it. Uh, little, not, we're not, not doing life adventures, but I did up getting real sick. And I know you've been battling a sickness. Mine ended up being uh, the sickness you, you don't want right now. I did end up finally after four years catching COVID. So I did sit and rewatch Ahsoka with a little bit of head fog, but I had my notes open. So I'm confident that I was able to pull it all out. <laughs> Well, I think some of the best parts of Ahsoka have a, a strange and dreamlike quality. So perhaps your fog added 
to the atmosphere that that I enjoyed in Ahsoka. Um, I'm going to share my thoughts real quick and then uh, pitch to Jennifer. Um, uh, this one, Ahsoka for me was a roller coaster. There are things that I absolutely love about it and things that I'm challenged by. Um, I got, I think part of it was I, I was so excited for it when it started. Uh, I did a bunch of rewatches with my wife of kind of uh, essential Ahsoka episodes I was bummed that we couldn't record about it, but I did all of my normal rituals. I got all ready. I poured myself a little whiskey. I set out <laughs> relevant action figures and took pictures of them. Couldn't post them online during the strike, so I actually sent them to you guys, to Ken and Jennifer. Uh, I was like, I'm not going to do this every week, but here's a picture. And I felt like it started so thrilling to me with the uh, the crawl and the, uh, the, the Balin and Shin attack and the Sabine on the bike with the rock song. And then for me, as I know some other fans have experienced, there was a real uh, a real pacing issue. And I got real frustrated until about part four. And then I feel like some of the ideas started to come together. Some of the things started moving. Some of the stakes made better sense. And there were there were endless things that that I loved about it. I loved Hu Yang, that Sabine's opening bike scene again with the space rock music. Love it. Uh, I love that this was a show led by women and weird aliens, which <laughs> might not have happened if it did not grow out of animation. So I really enjoyed that. I a thing I can't wait to talk about. We've been waiting in this New Republic storytelling era for justice for Leia and Mothma, that the whole New, New Republic isn't corrupt and have its head up its backside, but that Leia and Mothma are on top of it. So I love that. Uh, so much weird pulpy stuff. Uh, Balin and Shin, I think. Um, Iman Esfandi is Ezra's. Absolutely fantastic. The Anakin episode, one of my favorite bits of Star Wars. So there was a ton of stuff that I legitimately loved but I fell a little bit into the dark side by focusing more and being affected more by the stuff that I was challenged by, which was the the pacing and waiting, uh, I think, too long for some of the emotional clarity of how the characters were feeling and why and some of that stuff. Uh, so I struggled through the through the first watch going up and down on a roller coaster, sat down and uh, I was sick uh, earlier this week, but I wanted to write up the notes for this show before Thanksgiving. And I did a power rewatch like two cities. Uh, uh, first four, uh, second four. And I enjoyed it a lot, lot more because I was able to fill in some of the information that, that I think was maybe withheld until too late. So I understood where the characters were coming from a little bit more. Um, I still think there are some pacing issues, but it was, it was fun for me because I think it's fine to have parts of, of stuff that we love in general, that we love and parts that we're challenged by. And a thing that's always happened with star Wars, uh, when there, when I had more issues with the prequels, uh, I would kind of watch the parts I liked and then I would kind of, you know, almost laugh to myself about the parts I didn't like hmm. until I found myself liking them. And there's a couple of those longer scenes uh, where uh, Ahsoka and Sabine are both figuring out a puzzle in the first episode where, like, I, I started, like, counting and timing Sabine's puzzle. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, felt like, this is still criticism. I still don't like it. But this is how I get closer to it is by accepting it warts and all, having it is a valid criticism, but in the big picture, part of this whole oeuvre of Star Wars that I love. So finding ways to enjoy the parts that I criticize. Mm. So that's been my journey. Jennifer, uh, what has been your journey with the show overall? It's shocking to me to see when this show was released. It feels like a lifetime ago, and it was during the strike. And as we I've talked about, I'm in SAG-AFTRA. And so I felt kind of like I was being a Jedi. It felt like I needed to remove myself from that attachment 
of Star Wars to honor my duty at being <laughs> on strike. And it really, it was a funny conflict that I had where obviously like I live and breathe Star Wars and it was felt like I was cutting out a piece of myself. I also didn't want to spoil moments for myself. So I didn't look at anything online. I fully removed myself from it. So coming back to the show, I only watched the first two episodes and then I was like, no, I can't do this. So coming back to it this past weekend, I was like, all right, I'm going to do this. And I had a really hard time with the first viewing. It felt like coming back to school. I had my summer slump. I had <laughs> lost a lot of what I had learned. Um, and it really, what I realized is I have to view this in a different way. Like I, I can't, it's not going to be like Book of Boba Fett where I'm going to be drawn in by the characters. It's not going to be like Andor where it's totally brand new, right? I need to kind of recall what I've learned and who these characters all are following their journey. On the second time was when I really felt like I had settled in to that nerd bubble that we talk about. Mm. And it just felt like like home. It was like, okay, I remember everything. I was watching things and trying to remember the character arcs and what does this moment mean? And rather than being critical of the pacing, which I had been initially, the second time around, it was just like, I'm just going to hang out with Sabine while she figures out this puzzle, right? No, I'm just going to hang out. And and it just was a different approach. But it, it took months for me to get to this point. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I think, as we said on our episode about reconnecting with Star Wars, which I realize maybe not everybody heard, I think uh, Jennifer had brought up a really good point that our relationship with, with Ahsoka is with, I think, uh, critical hats on of, you know, what our, our analysis is fans and viewers and and critics of pop culture uh but it's also all tied up into everything that was going on with us personally in our own lives and how that intersected with the strike so i think everything you're saying jennifer makes a lot of sense because it is both analytical and also deeply personal mm -hmm. yes right yeah. uh well any other big picture thoughts before we dive into the big ideas i just want to say too that the three of us are all this is a little bit of us showing that we we're taking some of our own medicine that maybe we've uh, lovingly provided other folks uh, that <laughs> first viewing is not necessarily the true answer uh, either direction. Right. Uh, I, I came out of rogue one going the best thing ever. Then I had that lowered for me. And then I always say, you know, most, most people I know who love last Jedi did not fist pump at Luke's death and go, got it. They had to, they had to sit with it. And this mm -hmm. series that asks you to engage with it, it does. And there's a lot of great, can't wait to discuss it. The final thing, and we're jumping, I'm jumping ahead in the theme discussion, but there's a big theme and a lesson that kind of emerges in the master and apprentice discussion in here, Joseph and Jennifer, that, that is about people making the right choices for themselves. This series made choices that were right for itself. And I would maybe not have done it. I'm not in this position to do it, obviously. So uh, it's a lesson for all of us. And I'm happy to discuss it. Mm, yeah, well no, great, great point. With that, uh, let's dive into the big ideas, the themes. So I wrote down some ideas and some questions. We're going to talk through those and then we'll, we'll dig for more uh, to see what else we want to talk about. And again, we just really want to, uh, I guess I just really want to say this is our overview on the big ideas. Uh, there are a million things in Ahsoka that I want to talk about, particularly when you get into some real specific character arcs, some of the the Star Wars lore and the implications and the 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 
new a new galaxy uh we we can we'll do an episode on all that kind of stuff so also just really want to caution people this is not an episode about this is our one and final statement about ahsoka (laughs) this is looking at the big picture ideas and we aren't even going to come close to scratching the surface of all the stuff to talk about in ahsoka so with that said let's dive into the themes the big ideas the first one that i that i pulled out that i wanted to talk about because i think it's what the show really leads with in the first few episodes is uh, what I'm calling longing for the lost. Uh, Feels to me like the overall plot and most of the characters are motivated by wanting to connect with things that are lost or ancient. Uh, Individual people, family members, uh, whole cultures that have been lost, uh, whole galaxies that are only remembered in stories. Everybody is pining to get back to something uh, lost. Specifically, uh, Sabine wants to reconnect with her lost family member of Ezra. Uh, and I think arguably she is really pining at the beginning to reconnect with her lost Jedi master, Ahsoka, her lost path as a Jedi. Uh, Hera is longing to reconnect with Ezra. Ezra himself is sitting there with his uh, cool little turtle friends with the Victorian suits, <laughs> the Nodi, longing to return home. Almost all of his dialogue is home, home, home. Can't wait to get home. Or a lot of his dialogue. Uh, Hu Yang, my, my, my buddy, my fave, uh, Hu Yang is clinging to the protocols of this long-lost Jedi Order just because it's what he knows. Uh, Morgan Elsbeth, really compelling, wants to not only reconnect with the lost Grand Admiral Thrawn, but even more deeply with her lost community and culture of the Night Sisters. Uh, Balin's skull, we ultimately discover, is in pursuit of an ancient power he refers to as the Beginning. How much more lost and ancient can it be than the actual beginning? And that's what Valen wants. Uh, the other galaxy we visit is ancient and lost. Our galaxy, the Star Wars galaxy, knew it before, but it's been lost. It's remembered only in stories and dreams. And it even feels like some of the New Republic's refusal to address the Imperial threat is, to me, a rush to get back to this lost past of the glory of the old Republic where peace was kept for generations. And can we please just get back to that lost time as fast as possible, no matter what the consequences. So that's a little bit for me laying out of what I thought uh, supported this idea of longing for the lost. But now I want to talk about the actual substance of it. So uh, Ken, I want to start with you. How do you feel about this theme on a, on a gut level? Does it resonate with you on a storytelling level, on a personal level? How does it hit you? Yeah, it absolutely does. This is one of the things I think I was looking forward to in the series, this connection, this getting back to things. We had, we, there was a, a, a pre-show release interview uh, out there. And I think it was one of the last things we were able to talk about before the strike. I remember we talked about on the show about um, you, could, you could extrapolate from some of the stuff Filoni was saying that this was going to be a show about um, – we, we called it like a post, you know, post COVID look at, uh, you know, how do we all mm. reconnect with our old lives, but find the new in that. And you got to move forward. You got what, and, 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 and what do you miss and all those things. And I think that that ended up kind of being, being true. Uh, and for me, there's an overall thesis statement, uh, the show, um, for the show that is supported by these themes, but how do you be a Jedi in these times and for all time? And it's the core of Ahsoka's existence as a character. I think Ahsoka is almost this, uh, this rumination on what does it mean to be a Jedi? And, and Dave's going to put a lot of his thoughts on that into that character, good and bad. And, and, and she's made some hard decisions in her life and we've seen her at, at different times be burdened by those decisions by doing what she, she feels is right. And either whether she's supported or not and, and connection has always been at the center of that. Uh, she wants to connect with everyone 
everyone in the galaxy uh, that needs help. That's something we see her do a lot, but seems to she seems to have, have sought out that at the cost of her own connections. Uh, hashtag sad Ahsoka and not just in this series, but other other shows as well. There's there's the, the happy go lucky kid we, we met early on. Uh, had that uh, drummed out of a lot of reasons, which the show just go, goes into. So, yeah, um, we go into the series. We knew the connection was big uh, and, and just the idea of finding what lies beyond big changes and, and how to how to return to that, how to return those various connections. Um, it's something that's key to my life right now. And I have a lot of uh, people uh, and, and I'm struggling with some things in my life about reconnecting and how do I do it and why do those connections die and it's not just about swinging a laser sword, right? So that's why I love this kind of stuff and why I love coming to the Star Wars discussion table, finding where where I'm at within this show. And, and that, that that was a big overall thing that worked for me. Yeah, I think that's a, a really uh, great thing to say in a, in a way that we tend to look at Star Wars is that one of the reasons I love it is it's this big mythic thing, uh, but it can be applied to real life. And I will never be forced with the decision of, do I destroy the ancient map to the faraway galaxy and maybe save my friend, but also cause a war? I'm probably not going to be in that position. But that the conflict embedded in that moment can be translated, like we've jokingly said before, to like Christmas presents or sending emails. Like yeah. y- you can find that truth. And that's part of the reason that we're talking about these ideas is because they can resonate on a real personal level. Uh, so for Jennifer, um, how did you feel about this uh, big picture idea of looking for the lost? Did it resonate for you e- either as a story or on a personal level? What I thought was interesting is that unlike a lot of other stories where characters are looking to the past, looking to things that they've lost, it seems like all these characters were interested in in recapturing things that were lost from the past to create something new. And Mm. that was something new for me that I thought. What was also interesting was really Sabine's laser focus on recapturing the the lost, like literally. It dictates everything that she does throughout this season. um, And it affects everyone around her. And there are times where I'm like, what are you doing? It, It feels selfish. And yet, It's not because she's trying to literally rescue someone, right? Um, So I think that that's intentional because it shows her stubbornness and how that can be – it has consequences and it can can create danger and it it is a noble cause, but bad things can happen in pursuit of that noble cause. Um, So that's what I thought was was interesting for me with her her character. And it was fascinating to see her – kind of trying to bring everyone around her on board with this cause and see their struggles with it. And ultimately they were successful, but at what cost? But at what cost? Yeah, it's a, a great question. And a thing that I was not actually raised in the show itself to my recollection, having watched it twice and taken, taken lots of notes, uh, S- Sabine and, and, uh, and Ahsoka were both asked to find Ezra too. So there's a fascinating right. discussion there between uh, connection, duty, the balance, also about like personal responsibility to loved ones. If you make a promise to a loved one, in in general, most people feel it's good to <laughs> fulfill a promise to a loved one. So fascinating stuff to talk about there. For me, about this sort of connection to the lost, it it is the personal and the individual, like Sabine's uh, laser focus on rescuing Ezra. But the fact that it's just in in this time, this whole galaxy has kind of an ache. Uh, and I think that really goes to 
what you were talking about, Ken, about the feeling that this is is like the entire galaxy has been through a trauma, like our whole world has been through a trauma uh, with the pandemic. And that feeling that something is out of place, something is going right, we're we're going back to all the things we knew and we're hitting all the notes, but is the music the same? The fact that almost all the characters were pining for something lost really resonated with me just as a mood. Um, Cause I, I thought it was sort of like the definition of, of bittersweet. And to me in, in real life, when I'm longing for the past, it's bittersweet, you know, and I'm thinking like, Oh man, I, I wish it was the late nineties. And I was in my studio apartment playing Goldeneye, and like, yep. And you didn't have your wife. You had all these bad things going on in your family and blah, blah. And in that, that longing for the past is always bittersweet. And I think the show is great about that of, of dissecting. There are sweet parts of actual reconnection one-on-one with loved ones. Great, sweet, amazing. And then the bitter part that the sort of obsession that the present can only be fixed by looking to the past. And, and I'm so excited to see Balin's story return, but that's the bitter part of longing for the lost to me where Balin's like, I'm not even going to try to engage with the present. <laughs> I'm going to seek out some mystical way to mm-hmm. go back to the beginning. This is totally my interpretation um, that just like, I'm going to access some mystical plane and reboot the bleeping galaxy, reboot the force, wipe it, start again. That to me feels a little on the bitter side of, I cannot engage with the present. I can only look to the past to change everything to to make the force great again. Uh, yeah. There, there's a great interview clip out there. Uh, going around. I, I read it in, in, in um, that Filoni was saying he and Ray would argue a little bit on set in that good way of creatives kind of hashing out the ideas where Dave kept having to tell him, you're no, you're one of the bad guys. And he's like, Ray's no, I don't think I am. <laughs> I was like, no, no, no. I can assure you, you are the bad guy. Your, your, your choice is, 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 should be something considered bad. But anyways, love that. Yeah. Yeah. What, what is, what is going two steps back, right? What is going two steps back? What is carrying forward uh, the good parts into, into, in, with your connections and something that we, you know, you rest like the golden eye example. Uh, how do you reconnect with maybe what, drove you back then some of the creative freedoms the passions the worlds in front of you you can you you can you can accomplish it all the good stuff how do you connect with that while while being in the present i think is the center key to the show yeah absolutely so um i want to talk specifically about ahsoka you know the title character the titular character so in my opinion in my analysis in contrast to most of the characters ahsoka begins her journey by being she's open to reconnecting with ezra that would be a nice bonus but she is mostly motivated not by connecting, but by stopping, stopping the return of something lost, stopping the return of Thrawn. Uh, mm. Jennifer, do you uh, agree with my analysis that Ahsoka's on a slightly different motivation path, not connecting, but stopping? And if you do agree with that, what, what's interesting to you about Ahsoka, the main character starting with a, a slightly different motivation than almost every other character? Right. I think it's consistent with the character and with the journey that she's been on that we have seen. If you've watched the Clone Wars and Rebels, like you've seen her take, uh, and and even it's consistent with like this nomadic life that she's leading. Mm. Her, I don't want to say rejection of attachment, but she certainly does seem to keep a distance from getting too attached to anyone. And I think that she sees she cares about Ezra 
It would be wonderful to res- rescue Ezra, but it's it, it's like the individual goal versus what is best for the greater good. What is what is what is going to affect more people? Thrawn returning is a much bigger th- is a threat, and so I think that she can put aside her personal feelings to because that's what she's had to do time after time, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, I thought it was very I thought it was very consistent and it makes for a complicated character and and the first few episodes were a little tough to watch because i'm like come on but that that is true to who she is so yeah i love your point about her being a nomad and somebody who's often been like well i'm sorry everybody but i gotta go this way uh and that's an interesting tension when you really look at just motivations in the first episodes everybody is motivated by connecting to the lost except for ahsoka is like gotta stop that (laughs) no connection to the lost and mm-hmm. stop it and resist it in terms of her relationship with Sabine. Uh, Ken, how, do you agree with that take that Ahsoka is on a, a different motivation path? And if so, how do you how do you feel about it? I really like it. It's a, it's a focal point in this character who's long been one of my favorites. It's a busy intersection of, of one of the things I love uh, with Ahsoka. And some of this, I want to be sure to, you know, we'll bleed and move to the other parts of our discussion. We're mm-hmm. talking about it. You, you, you framed it nicely. But um, this is a weird example. I just rewatched the the movie Amelie this weekend. I uh, love that. Oh. Film. Audrey Tato, 2001. Um, did did you a- just hit the wrong button alphabetically trying to watch yeah. Ahsoka and ended up watching Amelie? <laughs> no laser swords in it. Just uh. Wonderful sh- shots of Paris. Um, but that's a, that's a, a fantastical kind of romantic uh, fantasy film that is someone who works so hard to make the good choice, um, you know, makes a good choice to help everyone else and meet them with their needs and inspire change in them and can't do it in herself. And mm. the fears of that and faces um, has to face the hard truths of, of the girl behind the glass and the wind rot and the painting. My, my COVID vein, vein uh, brain hit me today. Um, a lot of words popping up. Um, <laughs> you know, but you're doing a great pitch for the show Ahsoka Lee, so I can't wait okay. to see that. And it, and, it, and it connects to that, where, where Ahsoka has gone around and I think um, has made the um, makes makes the we'll discuss this more later, but makes the right decisions for herself and and for others and and real like this idea of Thrawn is the bigger issue. She wants to stop a war. Um, that's sounds like a good idea. You know, she knows mm-hmm. what uh, that does, and she knows what war does, and knows that uh, simply for looking for Ezra, Ezra might might be leading with an attachment. And that's what I like about uh, a lot of what the series. There's a lot of. Um, those questions that 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 uh, cause you to kind of analyze your own choices, and I think she finds that flipping the order in the end is key. Find Ezra, stop Thrawn versus stop Thrawn, and, and sure, I like him too. We'll get Ezra, and, and mm-hmm. that's interesting to me. Is as um, you know, she starts the series sullen and, and, and driven to do what she feels is right, but learns that Sabine and others are in the same boat, uh, and, and she ends up connecting with other people and their purposes, all leading towards uh, the light, mind you. Which is we'll get into a little gray area discussion later because I think there's there's still light and dark being at play here and all these decisions. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I think, um, I think for me, I, I really like that. It's one of the things I like the most, uh, in the show about that hinge of why are we doing this? E- even Ziono makes a point of it, of accusing Hera of like, you don't want to stop Thrawn. You want to find Ezra. Right. So having that be a hinge is, uh, is really great and really great for Ahsoka in particular, because I think it does set up, her her conflict, which to me is that she does fear attachment and is almost not even uh, uh, she's well aware of it. It's not a buried thing. It's, you know, mm-hmm. I think the show also 
did finally put down some timeline clarity that everything we've seen of Ahsoka in Mandalorian is before this because of the timeline stuff that that Carson Tava mentions that Mandalorian season three has just happened. Um, right. So, you know, her attitude toward Grogu was great clarity about attachment. Yeah. Her the rejection of Sabine, we finally uh, learned the first time around, is a fear of Sabine giving into attachment and, and using the Force is, is a power for revenge uh, based on what happened to her family on Mandalore. Uh, so I, I like that she starts with this clarity of like, I know I'm being a cold MFer. I know I'm basically channeling <laughs> Mace Windu. It's my choice. And I'm sticking to it. Is it, there? There's a nice sort of a, a clarity and a sharpness to that, but I think part of the reason that I love the uh, Anakin episode so much is, um, I I felt like, and we'll talk about this much more over over this episode, maybe or future episodes. I feel like Anakin's uh, live or die is very literal about her choosing to fight for life, but to me, the way it resonated, whether it was intended or not, was Ahsoka is is following her duty. She's making responsible choices, but she is killing herself. Everything is to be stopped, feared, cautioned, corrected. Nothing is to be lived, to be explored, to be risked, to be looked for another opportunity um, until she pivots and after that meeting with, with Anakin. So I've, I, I really responded to uh, Anakin's live as a correction to her focus on everything is about stopping. Um, mm-hmm. And I, and I do feel, I feel like talking about it now, I get really excited and I think it's great thematically, but I do feel like it is one of the challenges of the beginning of the show for me is uh, it, it also adds to us feeling a little distant and, and cold from the main character. It's it's such a cool idea, and it makes so much sense to the to this character and to her history. But in a way, it, for me, it's almost too effective. Where I feel like my old buddy Ahsoka is reaching out for the screen and also saying, "Like, I know you've gone on a long journey with me, but I don't want to be attached to you either. Back off, <laughs> back off, viewer." Um, and, and it it makes perfect sense with her whole journey and for me it makes her pop halfway through when she comes back to life uh but it's it's really effective for her to start so opposed to to connection hmm. uh yeah i love that too we, we're not going to go too deep into things that we thought didn't work today but I, I i thought one of the things that did work was was ezra showing up later as a, as a breath of fresh air and even huang having point of view and a certain energy that was a little mm-hmm. bit of the lifeblood of the series that I think was lacking in, in the leads in the first three episodes. It, it, so it was, uh, it was, the, it was, it was starting an album with three depressing songs. <laughs> <laughs> Give me the rock and roller. I want to kick up here. Um, Hu Yang was on cowbell the whole time. I'm saying he was, he was having some spark the whole time. And, and you're talking um, about clarity. The only joke I'll make is talk about this, this show providing clarity on timeline. Yet I loved Clancy Brown as writer is out. He going, we're here to celebrate something several years ago that happened. <laughs> What's the anniversary? I don't know. Several years ago. <laughs> uh, don't pin me down, says writer Zadi. Uh, any other thoughts before we move on on this idea of longing uh, for the lost Jennifer? Any other big picture thoughts on, on this theme or idea before we move on? 
You know, it's interesting you brought up Ray Stevenson saying that, that arguing that he uh, didn't see himself as, as a villain, because I think that's why he's so compelling to watch, is I really got sucked into every single thing he said. There was a moment, I think, when uh, episode episode six, when Shin asks him if he misses the Jedi Order, and the way he looks off, he looks so wistful, and he and he seems to, and then he catches it, and he's like, "No, what I'm believing or remembering is not true." Like it's you know, I, I yeah. there's certain things that I. Anyways, the point was, it felt like a Hamlet soliloquy. If I was hanging on every word that he was saying, and it just it's just gut wrenching because. Ray Stevenson created this incredible character with his performance. He gave it so much life, so much complexity, and it's just so sad that he won't be back to to reprise his role because I want to see what when he was going to do next yeah. um, with his character. So, yeah. Yeah. That's well, me we, longing for the lost. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, no, yeah. that makes that makes a ton of sense, and 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 I I hope that we get more uh, Shin Hadi as well. And, mm-hmm. and uh, I thought I would have taken more more dialogue and, and a little more clarity on her. But man, did I enjoy her her performance even more the second time around when I when I knew okay, I'm, this is as much as I'm going to find out. This is all about what the actor is bringing to the role, mm-hmm. and I just loved how much she just looked like a uh uh. In, in, I mean, this is a compliment, like a wounded animal who is going to cry and kill you and both at the same time. It's really powerful, really powerful. Um, I think, I think for me on final thought on the theme of, of longing for the loss. And like Ken said, they'll, they'll bleed together. I do like it. It throws up all these questions, but I feel like on this theme about the longing for the lost, that it, it does end on a, on a pretty solid star Wars truth of we're all connected People need friends, they need community, they need culture. There's a danger in obsessing over the past, but there's an absolute need for community and culture uh, and connection and being with your people again. And I love how much the the last several episodes are celebrating that connection and it feels so alive when people uh, reconnect. And I think, uh, you know, having having some amount of clarity at the end that Ezra's return is the victory that uh, creating possibility that, that um, just a good star Wars idea that helping people can be just as important as stopping the threat. It feels so light side, dark side of, yep. It is a part of the, the responsibility of a Jedi to stop the dark side. But, but by definition, the light side can't be entirely focused on stopping, destroying that the light side has to grow and build and create. And, and I think that was, to me, one of the most powerful parts of this idea of longing for the lost is some of it was a cautionary tale, but with Ezra, it was just a celebration. You know, I, I, I got teary when he's staring down Hera and saying, I'm home. Just, mm. you know, really stripped to its core of how beautiful that is. Uh, Ken, any, any other thoughts on longing for the lost? No, no, that's uh, a lot of it. We'll we'll move to the other po- discussion points, but uh, I, I I think, um, despite you know, if subsequent episodes we're gonna we're gonna dive into maybe some things that didn't work for us in a way we haven't on Force Center before, to be to be honest. But um, one thing I love about that man, the cowboy hat, is I think these deep philosophical conversations are so valuable to Star Wars and always come back to five or six tenets 
of Star Wars mm-hmm. that I love exploring. What you just talked about. How many times have we said on the show, light side builds, dark side destroys. That That is a truth you cannot move away from. And and a lot of the characters are even kind of wrestling with that here. And mm-hmm. I think that worked for me. Yeah. Balin to an almost comic level for me. I really liked some of those moments where he's like, you are built of violence. Everything you do is violence. So I'm going to cut your head off anyway. <laughs> uh, so we're going to move on to uh, this next big theme. And it it does bleed over with the the longing for the lost. Uh, and, and it is a very classic uh, Star Wars and Jedi thing. But I think it's particularly powerful in Ahsoka. And it's this idea of choosing between connection or duty, uh, Jedi in particular. But also a lot of characters really being forced to reckon with, um, do you make this selfish choice of what would be good for you? Or do you make some big sacrifice for the group, for the team? I think a lot of the show's tension lies in not just what the characters are doing, but the emotional reason. Like, you could be taking the exact same act, but everybody's being questioned about, we've all agreed that you're going to push that button and you should push that button, but we're all real upset about what's in your heart (laughs) when you push that button. Kind of specificity of emotional reason behind motivations. Uh, Questions of, are they following the rules? Are they doing what's best for the group? Are they, is their selfishness dangerous? So anyway, some specific examples. Soka really wants Sabine to prioritize stopping Thrawn over saving Ezra. That's a, all about connection versus duty. Uh, Senator Ziono accuses Hera of crying wolf over Thrawn because of her personal desire to save Ezra. Ezra's hollow message to Sabine in the first episode reinforces this idea that Jedi must make difficult choices, and in particular, sometimes personal sacrifices like he did. Uh, Ahsoka is really wrestling with what level of connection is needed versus what is selfish and dangerous. Um, one of the most fascinating to me is that uh, ultimately Morgan Elspeth sacrifices herself for the greater good of Dathomir. Um, one of the the better lines and exchanges for me uh, when Thrawn says for the Empire and she says for herself, to, to herself, for Dathomir. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, really, really powerful uh, uh, choice in connection versus duty, selfish versus sacrifice. So, Jennifer. Do you enjoy this theme? Does it resonate being caught between the personal desire and your your duty or your responsibility? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's certainly cathartic to watch these characters wrestling with that. And obviously, like you're saying, like, I'm never going to be dealing with these types of things, stopping a war or uh, saving my my friend. Um, but, you know, it, it's it's fascinating to watch. And I think it resonates because it's what adulthood is, right? Is what honoring my duty putting aside my feelings, putting aside maybe time with friends, time with family to do what I think I need to be doing. And so it really, it causes me to reflect on, on finding that balance. How do you find that balance? Especially when you think that you're doing something for the greater good. What I'm doing, this is, this is for the, for the better of the world, creating my art is it? <laughs> Maybe it's better to just focus on these personal connections with your family and friends, right? So anyways, uh, yeah, yeah. I feel like I was Ahsoka on this journey. Yeah, it's great. I, I feel pretty strongly as a personal philosophy that we absolutely should be there for other people, but we also must be there for ourselves. And I mm-hmm. think sometimes we are too quick to labor ourselves selfish because if we are not somewhat joyful, if we don't feel some amount of agency or power, how can we be on our uh, balanced and on our best foot forward to be there for other people? So that I always am really interested in this idea in Star Wars because 
taken to extremes. Obviously, I think make make sacrifices. Don't be selfish. Those are good things. Absolutely. But uh, I feel like Ahsoka is a little bit of a cautionary tale of what happens when you go too far with that. And it's kind of challenging myself on a personal level to be like, okay, when's the most recent time you felt that? And I realized, oh, this weekend, this uh, Thanksgiving weekend that just passed. Um, my wife and I had a long list of things we wanted to do. Some of them were uh, career stuff. Some of them were for our the comfort of our home, uh, reorganizing things. But then on the list was like, we have to order all the family holiday presents now. And I get to Ahsoka about it. I get too detached and just being like, I'm good at figuring out what people's what uh, presents people want. I'll figure it out. It'll be fine. I can do it in two hours. Why are we talking about this? Let's go. They're in the Amazon cart. What the hell is the problem? Let's go. <laughs> but the why of Christmas presents is connection. It's mm-hmm. sitting there and thinking about the other person and thinking about, do I give them something that I think they just want? Or do I give them something that's also a part of me so I can say, this is why I gave this to you. And it's a bridge between us. Um, and I did. I took a deep breath and like, I'm not going to rush this. I'm going to slow down and think about it. And and I I was thinking about that, the difference between uh, uh, just duty for the sake of I'm doing a responsibility. I have no emotion involved. Let's get it done versus can't really be uh, do be res- responsible and, and, and uh, sacrifice and, and be somebody who supports the idea of being there for other people unless I let myself be emotionally involved in it on some level. Mm-hmm. And, and that was the, the powerful way that I thought about it being personal. Ken, uh, how do you feel about the connection versus duty theme? It's it's everywhere in Star Wars, um, but really present in Ahsoka. How do you feel about it this time around? It's everywhere. And the series does succeed. Uh, hits a high bar, I think, and making you not in agreement with almost anyone making a point in this show. Right. <laughs> I am nodding in agreement with that point. That's a really good right. point. It, 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 everything is, 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 you know, it makes, it makes sense. Right. And, and, and that's not saying here, everyone is, or anyone is gray, which is a big personal sticking point that maybe I have to move past. But, but, the, but the idea of that, see, it's all just the shade of gray. No, the, the gray is just the, maybe the color you move through before you make a choice, light or dark. Um, it's just saying that these are all complicated, multiple truths. That's been this big thing in, in my life uh, and looking out at both my life and looking out at the world is, there's multiple truths that we all have to navigate in life. Right. And, and, and this is why, you know, I'll, I'll take a hard stand. If, if anyone tells you star Wars in present day is only about star Wars, uh, I just think they're incorrect. There's so many ideas at place in these shows. Yes. They're referencing star Wars and it might help if you know, this was, this was a series that it might help if you know a lot of star Wars that came before. And that's the thing we can yes. have in another episode. It's a discussion for another time, but this is about things that are relevant to our life. There's a big push these days. Mental health is a big, is, is, is a big health a big push. Um, and so, Hey, maybe you might need to take a day off at work uh, from work because that is something you need. And that makes you stronger for everyone else. But maybe black Friday is not the day to do it because then you're letting down 15 other people. And, and how do you navigate that? Both are truths. Uh, you, you might, you might feel you have a, a right to defend yourself when attacked. And, and I think maybe you do, but how do you do it? Uh, is it justice, justice or vengeance? Is it, is it, you want to stop Thrawn? Great, but you're really doing it for, because Ezra and you're going to cost us you're going to cost the Republic in, in this thing if you, if you do it this one way. And, and, and I'm not saying Giono was right, but there was a couple of times where I was, you know, Giono was like nodding my head. You know, he's getting a bad rap here, but I think <laughs> he's being, right? And yeah. that is the reason. You're, you're, 
going down a path I cannot follow. Uh, <laughs> I, I, did, I did not nod in agreement with Ziono. Yeah, you know, but dude, he's he's probably got budgets and ledgers and things to look at that uh, you know Hera doesn't, and and uh, that's the reason I think Mothma had to play smart. But uh, but that's the point is, is is there's multiple truths at play, and, that, and a lot of it comes back to Balin. That's a great point to discuss. About. I can't wait to get into more about Balin here mm-hmm. in this episode and other episodes where you're a lot of times like yeah 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 absolutely absolutely oh that but that that ain't right <laughs> right yeah no I I did, I, I agreed with Ziono's concern like yeah you want to make sure that that uh, yeah. a government official is not doing things for for a personal reason it just seemed like ziono was being quite the hypocrite that he had his own attitude and agenda so yeah. you're right i you know i take it back he, he had a valid point you should question that i don't agree with the way he did it anyway well, <laughs> welcome to ziono center but, but gonna- <laughs> all jokes aside that that no that's exactly my point i think i think you're absolutely right uh um you, <laughs> dude you've got a personal vendetta here <laughs> <laughs> and and paired with the utter utter denialism, yeah. Or if you believe the conspiracy theories, he's working with the Imperial Remnant. And like what? But uh, we could have that discussion on later Ziono centers. Um, uh, I I think um, I think one thing I just wanted to mention here uh, about the rewatch is I did find the rewatch richer because I feel like there is um, there's just some uh, there's such an awareness of the connection versus duty. Uh, it, it's everywhere. It's it's the plot of the show. It's not subtle. Yeah. Uh, but one thing that that just uh, pinged for me when I rewatched is there's that initial mission that Ahsoka and Huyang are on, where Huyang kind of chides her about you need connection, you need an apprentice. I'm not an apprentice, but like out of the gate, the dialogue between Ahsoka and Huyang is about whether Huyang was doing a good job rescuing her from the explosion. And Ahsoka says, "If you didn't keep at such a safe distance." Maybe we wouldn't have lost communication. And Huyang mm. says, I'm just following standard Jedi mission protocol. So just bickering about an action scene, it's like already both these characters are wrestling with this idea of are we are we are we is it safer for us to stay closer or should we keep our distance and be cool? So mm. I wanted to share that one. Uh before we move on to the next question, um Jen, where do you think Ahsoka ends up for herself in trying to find the balance between connection and duty? She, I think that what's interesting, something that I did not expect, was that she finds that balance through her connection with Anakin. Mm-hmm. And and I just have to say, like I I knew I'd seen online that Anakin had come back, had returned, had returned, right, yeah. and I just was like. Oh no. Oh no. Right. Cause I thought it was, I was worried it was going to take me out, whether it was mm. the effects, the de-aging, his voice, whatever. I didn't know. And I have to say it was freaking so good. I thought the de-aging was excellent. I thought Hayden's performance was awesome. That is really tough to be able. And I don't know how much of it was, uh, you know, uh, modified, right? Like mm-hmm. vocals or whatever. I thought it was pretty darn pitch perfect to where his character was from where we last saw him on screen. Well, I guess that would be, well, <laughs> Kenobi. Uh, but you know what I mean? Like, I just thought that it was just, it it fit right. I thought that he did great playing both the light and the dark of it. Um, and just overall, I thought that that whole storyline was really really compelling and it was fascinating that she did have such an emotional cat- attachment to him. That was really the only time that I felt like we really saw her 
in the earlier episodes kind of coming alive was in her interaction with Anakin. Um, but yeah, that was bravo, bravo visual effects team and Hayden Christensen. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think he was really well lit for the majority of the episode. Uh, <laughs> yeah. The, the, the cliffhanger episode where, where he smiles, yeah, like you could, for me, like you, you could see some tech there. Mm-hmm. And then it, a lot of it was just, I think really well lit to be like, we're not shining bright lights on his face where uh, any, where the de-aging has absolutely nowhere to hide. Mm-hmm. Lots of clouds, yeah. a, lot of, a lot of smoke oh, <laughs> those flashbacks. So dreamy, so dreamy. I loved <laughs> right. it, loved it. Uh, no yeah, I mean, I, I I really want to do a full Anakin episode, but it's really great to see Hayden Christensen be able to play whatever you think is happening, whether you think it's uh, Ahsoka's imagination, mm-hmm. whether you mm-hmm. think that is Force Spirit Anakin, whatever you think, uh, I think the way Hayden Christensen played it is the complete character. Yes. Everything that Anakin and Vader has ever been or could be. Mm-hmm. He got to play. And man, I thought he knocked it out of the park. Um, I think for me, uh, uh, where Ahsoka um, ends up in, in trying to find the balance, I totally agree with you that it is entirely defined by her relationship with Anakin. But I really like that I feel like Ahsoka is wrestling with, she she starts out very compassionate. Then she sees what uh, Anakin's compassion does when it curdles into obsession and it drives him to the dark side. And she pushes away compassion and connection. And she kind of knows she shouldn't. Hu Yang is on her. Hera is on her. I think she's on herself because she wants to be there for Sabine. She wants to defeat the the curse and in, in make Sabine a great Jedi. She wants to connect. And she's looking for a way to frame it in her own mind of what is a safe way for me to connect that I don't have to be afraid. And I think that epiphany she has that, oh, it's not about light and dark. It's not about Anakin's past. It's just how do I define my role to Sabine? And my role is be a mentor, be a parent. Hmm. That's what Anakin was for for me. That line at the end of her, she's like, I realized everything else that Anakin was, he was a great master because he just was always there for me. He patted me on the back when I did well and he picked me up when I fell down. And I feel like that's like this unlocking for her of like, my job isn't to change Sabine Mm -hmm. or stop her from hurting herself or others. It's just to be there. It's just like Ahsoka was like, oh, I can have connection if I'm a real good parent. (laughs) Um, There's a... Ken and I always go on about this episode of, of Bad Batch, an early episode of Bad Batch, where a hunter in particular is wrestling with like how to keep uh, Omega safe. And he encounters some parents and they were like, you're not going to keep your child out of danger. You're going to be there for them when they are in danger because they're beings and they're going to make bad choices and they're going to run into things they shouldn't. And you have to be there for them. You can't always stop them. And so, strangely, watching Ahsoka, I was like, and this is that lesson from Bad Batch showing up again. <laughs> uh, so I feel like she she finds some some great resolution, and I think it's in, in a, a great contrast to some of the other connection versus duty relationships. Um, just want to throw out there quickly, and I want get, to get your thoughts, Ken. I love that Ahsoka learns this lesson of like, oh, maybe all this was fated to happen. There's even that line of, Sabine was never going to make any other choice. It's who she is. She was always going to choose this, no matter how much training she had. 
this is this is who she is. And Ahsoka gets this point of like, I don't need her to be perfect. I don't need her to make every choice that I would make. I just need to be there for her. Great contest with Balin and Shin where Balin just rides up and is like, come to accept that you want different things. So bleep off. Right, right. I'm, I'm going to abandon you because our needs aren't aligned enough. And in contrast, Ahsoka's like, I know you're different, Sabine, and I'm going to be there for you, even though you're different. So, Ken, what are your thoughts on how where Ahsoka ends up with the connection in duty challenge? Yeah, after the break, I think we'll dive into a lot more of uh, Mr. Balin and his beard and uh, <laughs> <reading the tea laughs> between them. I think what you're saying is is is, is great and powerful and, and, and resonates a lot in the real world. Um, and, and even in our own lives, this is a battle as other center during the strike occasionally turned into mom center when I was working through a lot of things in my past. This is an argument. Yeah, I you were not alone. It was yeah. it was all of us <laughs> uh, working on uh, what I describe as negative attachment. It's like, yeah, I know you love me. Yeah, I know you want me safe. But I think you want me to do everything that you'd want to do because you're afraid of how you'll react if my choices hurt me. So you're not concerned about my well-being first. You're concerned about yours. But it's not evil or nefarious or selfish. It's just your protective nature here. It's it, it's it's leading with fear. And I think Ahsoka reaches a wonderful let go point based on a lot of what you're talking about here, Joseph. Joseph, this is the choice to live versus the choice to, to die. Save what you love, not fight what you hate, is is a powerful thing, and that's why we love a lot of the philosophies behind the Last Jedi because they they connect to the heart of Star Wars. And I think there's a great point that you, you've already mentioned. And I think we'll talk more in the Master Apprentice thing of, of her just going, ah, got it. Anakin ended up bad in a lot of ways, but that's not the legacy that I have to completely engage with. I guess is the way I would look at it. But she's she discovered what she'd overlooked or what she'd forgotten or what he, what his real strength as, as it relates to her. And then the fear that you're only going to take the bad forward. No, she's going to take that good. And, and just realizing that great Huang, Huang line of, of, you know, paraphrasing, but Sabine's doing this, the, making the decision that's right for her. Mm-hmm. And that's a powerful moment to let go of that. As long as that decision, as long as Sabine's decision wasn't wipe them out, all of them, <laughs> you know, as long as, again, that's why I go to the light and dark of it all. But, but this, that, that this is her, perhaps this is a decision that's right for her. And the moment you have that, like, ah, I made a rather huge decision in my life. And Anakin stood by that decision. Mm-hmm. Despite his own fears and despite him saying, hey, maybe oh, I'd like to, you know, blah, blah, blah. That great, wonderful conversation at the end of Clone Wars season five. But I made it and he supported me. She's making this. I'm going to support that. Um, it's it's yeah. a powerful let go moment. Soka even has that great line uh, to Hu Yang, which is frustrated with Sabine's training of like, I'm not trying to make her be a Jedi. I'm just trying to help her be herself. Hmm. It almost feels like Ahsoka kind of knows what she needs to know. But Ahsoka keeps getting in her in her own way mm-hmm. with all, all the these strict rules that she has for herself. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, any other thoughts, Jennifer, on this idea of connection versus duty? I don't have any at the moment. Uh, yeah, because we're going to be getting into the master and apprentice mm-hmm. parents mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. <laughs> later. Uh, so. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yes, uh, Jennifer, sorry to go on and on about what a parent's role is. If at any point you want to uh, say, I disagree, since you're the actual parent and I'm not, by, by all means, please. <laughs> No, I'll save it. I'll save it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, we got some more mom center coming after the break, I think. Uh, Ken, any other uh, ideas for you on this uh, idea of connection versus duty? 
Um, it, it, it's um, it's wonderfully powerful. I, I Meaning, what I mean by that is is uh, even on the rewatch, um, I just I just it, it's a messy reality in in a series and in a franchise that is about light and dark that is about there's good choices and bad choices but we all uh destiny takes us to those choices this is a series that 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 crawled around in the mud a little bit and made you rethink some stuff right and and this is even some of the you know the tales of the jedi series uh we love and, and this is that was you mm-hmm. know something from feloni's mind of just that dooku and, and qui-gon stuff is so powerful because it's not it's not uh, uh, going suddenly. Yeah, you're right. Dooku was 100% correct. He was the good guy. He's the grandfather of the rebellion, if you look at it from a certain point of view. No, he had a self, uh, he had, he had a, a righteous beginning that turned to a self-righteous end and, and, and mm. powerful stuff. And, and there's, again, going to that nodding, nodding along the way. There's so many times uh, even, even Thrawn, you know, you know, I, I'm, 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 I'm in the camp of Thrawn is 100% bad, not chaotic evil. He's bad, but everyone's motivations are real in this series. And I think that was a big success of it. Yeah. Um, you, you know, a person that I nodded along to is, is Hera. And that's my final thought on this is I think Hera has a line that feels, um, up to a point boilerplate, but watching it again, it really popped for me as a, lesson on the idea of connection versus duty i feel like Hera is often a character who is coded as finding the balance she's a a mother figure in rebels and she's often there for people literally physically with the ship or the one who knows what's bothering everyone and and taking on the emotional burden in somebody who has really been in a place to have to make all these decisions so there's a conversation that she has with mothma after she kind of gets uh, cleared for the mutiny and Mothma's like, okay, don't lie to me that you have a personal <laughs> yeah. attack. What's the real situation? What's the real problem? How much do we have to worry about Thrawn? And Hera has this great line. She says, we have to prepare for the worst and hope for the best. And that line just kind of came across as, hey, yeah, it's pretty straightforward in, in the context of that con- uh, conversation. But in the context of this theme and what the other characters are wrestling with, it just really hit me of, a balance between connection and duty, a balance between the fear of what could happen with Thrawn in the joy of what could happen with Ezra. And it feels like we have to prepare for the worst and hope for the best is good balance. And in the first half of the show, Ahsoka's like, we have to prepare for the worst. And, <laughs> like, and what else? And Ahsoka's like, nothing else. Just right. prepare for the worst. And that's all we need to do. So that line really resonated with me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Great one. Uh, all right, uh, we are going to take a quick break. Then we're going to be back with more Force Center and Mom Center. But first, we got a recommendation, right, Ken? That is right. We're going to have an audiobook we think you should try out on us. And Joseph, this is one that I know you recently finished, but we are recommending Path of Deceit, which is the beginning, correct me if I'm wrong, the beginning of Phase 3, right? Phase 2 of the High Republic. Oh, see, I'm so confused. But I need to go <laughs> back. <laughs> I jumped back to, to phase two and I finally got started. I read that book and it, it, it I really enjoyed it. it. It was a slow burn that, that has a real good burn. So I enjoyed it very much. If you're behind on high Republic, I suggest checking it out, checking it out and download your free audiobook today by going to audibletrial.com slash force center. Once again, that's audibletrial.com slash force center. All right, quick break. The other side, more deep diving into the themes of the Ahsoka series. We'll be back here on force center. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome back to Force Center, a show about Star Wars, pop culture, and the ultimate adventure, life itself, and a deep dive into themes. This has been uh, fun for me so far. I wasn't sure two months ago how this would go because I was working through a lot of things, not just in Star Wars, but life. And my life in the last couple months has been about connection. How do I get back to things like that? Can I just watch football again? Do I have to analyze why or why I don't? No, I'm just going to watch it. It's been an interesting journey and this show ended up uh, falling right into that lap. So Justin, this has been fun. Let's dive even deeper. 
Yeah, I, I have missed talking about the big ideas and I'm so enjoying nodding along to all the great points. But uh, uh, this uh, third theme that I pulled out, I think, again, it, it overlaps and combines with the ones we've been discussing. But I think uh, it was uh, focused enough that it really deserves a specific conversation. And that is the idea of the master and apprentice. And I think within that, this idea of needed connection versus dangerous cycle. There's, there's a lot of people who are concerned with breaking the cycle. By definition, a chain of masters and apprentices over decades and eons is a cycle. So there's, I thought there's this great kind of contrasting, you know, not just the fear of what, what is good and what is bad about the master and apprentice relationship, but also contrasted with the number of people like we can't have another war. Uh, Balin's uh, view, in my opinion, of let's reboot everything. Um, so to highlight a little bit of how I think this uh, plays out in the show, uh, some of it comes from, some of this analysis comes from what is in the show, most of it, but I'll be honest that some of it also comes from what the creators have explicitly said. Uh, Filoni discussed at Star Wars Celebration a lot uh, how important this specific idea was to him. The almost spiritual idea that in Star Wars lore, an individual Jedi possesses all the strengths and weaknesses of their entire line of masters and apprentices. And, and you can take that as just, yep, we're, we're all not only uh, created by what our parents teach us, but what their parents taught them and, and on and on and on. But to me, there's almost a spiritual level in the way that Filoni talks about it of, we're not just watching Ahsoka, we're watching Obi-Wan, we're watching Qui-Gon, we're watching Dooku on, in the chain. Um, so I am affected by uh, how much we see that play out in the show because it's so clearly important to him. Uh, some evidence of this theme in the show, arguably the central relationship in the show is Ahsoka and Sabine struggling to solidify their master and apprentice relationship and, and to be there for one another and find balance in it. Anakin explicitly tells Ahsoka that she contains the best and the worst of him and all of the people who have trained him. Huyang is crystal clear in that beautiful Huyang way that a master needs an apprentice, even commenting that Ahsoka comes from a long line of non-traditional Jedi, uh, again, emphasizing that lineage. Uh, Balin molds Shin to be, quote, something more than a Jedi, but ultimately abandons her for wanting something different than he does, a different master and apprentice relationship. Uh, <laughs> the great master and apprentice relationship, uh, ultimately great, but we got to see it be rocky between Kanan and Ezra is really celebrated with Ezra's new blade honoring his mentor. Uh, I think a really great scene that, that celebrates that great connection in a good master and apprentice relationship, which also makes Sabine feel bad about hers. Um, so there's a, a overview. Jennifer, did any of these master and apprentice storylines resonate in particular? I mean, I didn't really see myself in any of these relationships, which was mm -hmm. kind of new for me. Um, I also think it's kind of different for Star Wars because there was so much like, <laughs> I don't want to say abandonment, but I was shocked when Balin just like left Shin, basically. That was surprising and yet kind of not for the character. Um, Ahsoka's distance at the beginning, like we've talked about, it was a little challenging to 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 deal with that. Um, I feel like for me, it's the master-apprentice relationship in Star Wars has been so much about like more on the apprentice like Luke mm. struggling, you know, the master is there encouraging, coaching them on. And the, it's the apprentice that's like, I can't do it or whatever. Um, so this kind of flipped it. I feel like there was a lot more about the master mm. 
not being able to to hold their end of the deal, so to speak, right? Um, so yeah, that was that was fascinating, and it's something that I'm going to continue watching the show and continue looking at these little moments. I mean, there's every line, like you're saying, every line you can read something into it. It is a very dense show, um, which makes it fun to watch over and over again. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think it, 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 to, to its credit and, and sometimes to its, its challenge, it throws a lot of questions in the air. And like, Ken, I think you're great. Uh, nodding along with everyone and even the characters sometimes kind of saying one thing, but kind of doing another, it throws a lot of questions up. So I think it, it gives itself a, a, a lot to be discussed and parsed through. Mm-hmm. Um, Ken, how did, did any of these master and apprentice storylines resonate with you in particular? I, I I loved it. I loved them all, and 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 the Balin stuff. I go back to a, a, a lot, uh, and we're going to dive into here. But I, Jen, you said something that kind of made me. I want to add a little bit more to my overall answer here. I, I think one of the, what is one of the big themes in behind Star Wars? What is one of the big ideas behind Star Wars? Get out your Force Center Bingo card. It is the the balance between the old and the new generational change. It's the key to so much of story, and I think a lot of that is at at, at play here. But what you said, Jen, just made me think about, yeah, it is it, it maybe is a little different than than expected or, or played a little different because it's almost like we got to hang out in the teacher's break room. Mm, <laughs> yes. And we got to hear the teachers going, God, these kids. <laughs> oh, <laughs> God, they're trying my patient. It's like going for a hike with parents and the kids aren't there, right? It's just right. Like, I like the idea of like it's it's the scene in Empire Strikes Back where where uh, Yoda and Obi Wan are complaining about Luke, <laughs> except that's the series now. <laughs> and 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 again, and that can sometimes challenge us, and that, and that's a good thing. And I think what you're saying mm-hmm. is, yeah, it challenged me. It wasn't what I expected. Maybe it was not what I wanted. I didn't see myself in that, so I got to find out what's there. But. I go back to again. I think this is my third or fourth last Jedi reference. I'll try to stop them now. But but when 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 Luke shows up a little bit different than maybe what folks wanted or expected or even at times needed, uh, that can challenge you. But it's still these characters on this journey, um, and, and you're working through that with them. So I I, I love this. It, it it resonated in the sense that they were frustrating. I was frustrated too. Very frustrated. I was like Huang. Like, could you two just? listen to him and work together it's pretty simple it's they never <laughs> listen they never listen <laughs> and 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 david Tennant is is obviously one of our best actors and the fact that he Ooh. recorded this before and they had so they could have his voice on set and all that process was is uh good but anyway um uh i have to I, so i my, what i'm saying is i was frustrated especially the first three episodes and that might be what you said jen might be why more than i realized but i i had to meet the show and these characters where they are at. And Huang said, this relationship between a master and apprentice is as challenging as is, is rewarding or the relationship. And I think that this, this series, we spent a lot of the time in that challenging era arena. And, and, and I think that's at the core of Dave Filoni's interest because it does feel back into the big idea that's present so much of Star Wars, the old and the new. And Joseph's right. We got to see a lot of us, our generation specifically, we got to see, Obi-Wan Kenobi going, finally, I'm here to pass this on to Luke. Now we get to go back and see him going, I don't want to pass it on to anyone. Uh, I, don't, I don't know who I am anymore. So uh, that's part of what's at play here for me. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think we've got, you know, some master stories with uh, with Luke's journey in The Last Jedi and yeah. with Obi-Wan's uh, feeling, uh, working through in, in the Kenobi show, his, his failure, but that was so focused on, on his failure, which yeah. is a, a part of the master story is sometimes you're going to fail. Um, 
Yeah. I think what, what was really powerful to me about the Ahsoka story is um, I felt um, uh, uh, I, shamed is too strong of a word. Um, uh, I felt like uh, Ahsoka, we kept wondering how she was going to feel about Anakin's fall. Mm-hmm. And I was making that a lot about Anakin. Mm. And we often had conversations about like, what if she had this great campfire talk with Luke? And Luke says, hey, you know what? He made a better choice at the end of his life. And wouldn't that make Ahsoka feel great? But that was all about Anakin. And uh, I didn't give enough thought to Ahsoka. So the idea that she wasn't feeling bad Mm. about Anakin's choices, what she was wrestling with was, what does this mean for me? Mm -hmm. I am the fruit of the poison tree. If I am everything that he was, mm-hmm. am I capable of such violence and horror? Am mm-hmm. I capable of passing that on to Sabine? If I couldn't help my master from falling to that, how am I going to be able to help Sabine from falling to that? The fact that it, that this story was about so totally about her pain and feeling like I am the product of a flawed system a flawed lineage. I was grateful to that because I think it, it made it all about Ahsoka and not just that she is an extension of, of Anakin who's rooting for him on the sidelines of, Oh, you made a better choice at the end. So that now I'm great. Like Mm -hmm. at first I was like, well, okay. So in the timeline, she's, she's communed with Luke. She's, she's been there on the planet watching the new Jedi start and, and all that. Like, why does she feel a little better about this Anakin stuff? And I really liked that that answer being because she was like, okay, great. That was Anakin's life. But now I have to reckon with how much it's going to control who I am and, and what I do. Um, so that just, that set up everything that made the Anakin episode so beautiful of you're more than that because I'm more than that. The, the comment from Anakin. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I love the idea that she fears, you know, she carries the good and the bad of Anakin. And, and, and so she naturally is going to fear that especially Sabine might be motivated motivated by vengeance would carry that. I mean, it's like sitting right in front of her, right? And, and yep. also connects with some of the Grogu stuff of, uh, hey, if he don't want it, I ain't, I ain't going down this path. <laughs> yeah. And, and she does seem uh, – a little uh, more Springer's step when we see her again in Book of Boba Fett, but I think as we've talked about, all of her reaction to Luke is like, you you chose to train Grogu. Best of luck. <laughs> <laughs> I told you about that attachment and, and uh, Armor Daddy's here. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's even that that parting when, when Luke kind of asks her for advice and she kind of doesn't answer and just says, you know, you're a lot like your dad. And then she's leaving and, and Luke's like, will I see you again? And she's like, we'll see. So even though her mood is a little brighter in, in that book of Boba Fett episode, she is still clearly really pushing back on, on connection and attachment. So mm-hmm. I, I felt like I was happy that that got clarified. Um, yeah, yeah. I really love all these ideas with Ahsoka. I, I, I we'll, we'll talk about it more, but I, I do feel like I, I would have liked a little bit more um, in, in the early episodes to really, I feel like I knew intellectually everything that she had been through, but I would have liked to to feel it again a little bit more, but we'll, we'll talk about that more down the line. Um, mm-hmm. Any, any other thoughts on Soka's journey in particular before we move on? Uh, I have some, but Jen. No, I'm good. Okay. okay. So um, 
let's move on to this specific question then about, uh, Ken, how do you feel about uh, this uh, idea of uh, a master and apprentice as a metaphor for, for real life, for mentors and students and parents and, and children? Were you, are, when you're looking at this master and apprentice thing, I, I assume that you are taking it on in on some sort of personal level and not just a theoretical uh, space fantasy level. Yeah, yeah, I, and and for me, I, I kind of had to look at it from that angle. I, I was a little distant, and and some of the the things presented in the show, so so um, it was distant from me. But um, yeah, I think in completing this Anakin and Ahsoka circle, in a way, uh, it, it just reminds us all. And I'll, I'll say it in terms of Anakin and Ahsoka, but but I think it applies to his life. But you know, all right, he was bad. He was one of the greatest evils in the galaxy, but he chose that. He chose how to. He made those decisions based on who he was, but he was also good at one point. And he stood by you and, and in doing so helped make Ahsoka who she is then. And that's something that I can I can pull out to my own life. There's a lot of things I fear that I carry forward. Um, just genetics and genes and hardwiring. And I'm constantly at war with that. And I'm constantly just shrugging and going, I guess this is the way it is. This ain't going to change because this is who I am. Uh, and I've got to make a choice to break that and break those cycles and move forward and and be, and and. and and then also for those coming up behind me, I'm not a parent, Jen, we lean on you for that advice, but uh, I, have, I, I try to be a mentor to people. And a lot of it is, um, you know, some people ha- want, want to chat with me because they like what I've done, but I always want to say, let me show you what I haven't done so that y- you can make the better choice for yourself and, and go forward. And, and that's something that's, uh, you know, we always talk in the Clone Wars report. We always had the Coach Ken section whenever <laughs> I thought it was a baseball coach kind of stuff from my past, and I think a lot of that was was present here in good and bad ways. And I love going back a little bit to the Ahsoka thing. Just I, I do love that revelation. I do love seeing it um, from her eyes, seeing the whole Anakin journey, and it, and, it, and it frees Anakin in a way, right in her mind. Again, I love the question of what was real, what was there, what was of the Force, what wasn't. We can discuss it at some point, but the facts. Uh, the emotional facts remain, uh, right? And so mm-hmm. Huang points out that Sabine is making the right choice for her uh, and, and, again, keeps with the lights out on the choice. It, it's just such a strength. And it and it's it's not unlike Ahsoka leaving the Order, obviously. So Ahsoka standing by Sabine to help her who she is is, is just a powerful lesson that I'm going to try to uh, make sure I keep to and understand in my own life. Yeah, yeah. And uh, lots of great stuff we can talk in more detail, too, about the not just Anakin's fall, but the fact that she feels she was trained to be a warrior and that's her only role, I think ties in really well to her sort of knowing I'm overly obsessed with stopping, with preventing, uh, with controlling because I was trained to, that's all I was trained to do was to, to fight in a negative way, not fight in a positive way for possibilities and connection and all that. Um, Jennifer, how do you feel about master and apprentice in star Wars as a metaphor for real life, uh, parents, children, mentors, students, what I think is interesting is now that you guys are talking about this, I really do see the the parent-child relationship. You know, with like Obi-Wan and Anakin, it felt like he was an older brother for me mm-hmm. uh, throughout so much of that. But when you really think about as a parent, what your job is for children is obviously you have a lot of ideas on what they should do and what they should not do. You want you have all this wisdom that you want to impart on them, and they don't want to take it. and you learn after a certain point that the the, what is it the best lesson learned is a lesson not taught and sometimes kids have to figure it out for themselves and the best thing you can do is let your kids know that you will be there for them 
even when they make bad choices. Um, because, and that, that's when I really see all the different parent types, the parental figures in Ahsoka, the Balin figure, the father that's just like, I'm out of here. <laughs> I can't be a father to you anymore. Uh, some of us have, have had that experience. Um, I love my dad. Uh, but, you know, so I think that it's, it's something that I had never really thought of, like with the, with the master apprentice relationship is how much it mimics the parental figures. I had, I mean, obviously professionally mentors are an important thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, personally, it's a great thing to have someone who's there supporting you, guiding you. Uh, but yeah, being a parent is tough. And I, one last thing I'll say the whole thing about Ahsoka realizing that she does have the best and the worst of Anakin as a parent, you realize that like you're saying, Ken, that is just within you, how you were raised that DNA. And uh, when you're trying to parent your child, it will come out in ways where you're like, that's my mom. And that's not the best. That's not the best thing that I want to do. I want to change that. It is Mm -hmm. so hard to change that hardwiring as a parent. And I imagine if you're, you know, mentoring uh, or a master of of a Jedi, of a Padawan, that'd be just as challenging. This is how hard it is. I I hurt, my back's always hurt, but I've extra, extra hurt it, extra hurt it last couple of weeks. And plus being sick, I was shuffling in the backyard to go get my dogs. And I was like, oh, this is my grandpa shuffle. Like listen to what oh. my grandfather did. <laughs> See, I'm, I'm li- oh, no. that's how hard wired you are, right? And that includes mm-hmm. a lot of the things firing in your brain, and and that's part of the struggle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Th- this really hit me in in a couple ways. I think um, from being a, a creative mentor, sometimes people have over different parts of my career asked for advice, and it feels like this invitation to just go. Yeah, celebrate my victories, warn about my failures, you know? And I, I was really aware of that and really always wanted to ask people first, well, what do you want? Cause I could tell you a bunch of stuff that may or may not be helpful about my victories and failures, but ideally as a mentor, what I want to do is help you do what you want to do. And maybe some of my victories or failures might uh, inform the path that you're on, but I don't want to assume that you're trying to do what I did. Um, so I think that sort of Sabine's, uh, or rather Ahsoka's, uh, uh, clarity at the end of, I should just be there for Sabine rather than trying to entirely mold her, uh, felt validating about good choices. I, I feel I've made and want to make as a, as a mentor, but then a little bit more on the, uh, being in Ahsoka's shoes where she is, she's the adult, she's the master, but what she's reckoning with is her childhood is with, with her father figure of Anakin. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, welcome back to, to Mom Center. I sometimes wrestle with my mother gave me an absolutely great start in life. And I have all sorts of stories I've brought up on Four Center of wonderful things she taught me. Um, and then without going into too, too many details, as, as we've touched on, um, she went to the dark side when I hit my teen years and became extremely damaging and controlling. And there's a tendency to say, if I'm going to be honest about the bad things, I have to reject the good things because it's fruit of the poison tree. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it, this show is nice to be that, like, I didn't really expect ever to for Hayden Christensen to grumble lines that would help me feel better about my relationship <laughs> with my mother. But that that's that the power of Star Wars. That's what happened. Is like, yeah, it, it does not have to be all in one. It's, you know, I can value uh, the good and the bad choices that my parents made and learn from the bad ones and, and, the fact that there are bad ones doesn't mean that I can't value the good ones. 
this is this is uh, taking your very real world point and, and and going back into the Star Wars of it all. But that's one of the things I enjoyed about Hayden getting to come back. As as Jen, you mentioned it, that he, he was wonderful, and I think this is the best Hayden's ever been as as this character, and he got to really show some some chops that some critics might say he didn't get before. Um, and plus he got to sound like the, uh, Ontario based farmer that he is <laughs> really came out a few times that, the, that Canadian accent, uh, it just was getting to, to play all sides of him at this point and his existence was, was, uh, a good reminder, uh, uh, showing what you're talking about. Yeah. We'll, we'll talk about it more too, but man, that line in that delivery of like, oh, is that what this is about? Mm-hmm. That whole turning to the dark side and <laughs> yeah. murdering countless people. Is oh. that what this is about? Ugh, great, uh, great Anakin line. Look, it was after um, college. I knew, knew a lot of things were going on. Yeah, yeah. Who, who doesn't? Who doesn't? It's basically just yeah. Skip year. What? I made a mistake. Um, any other thoughts on this theme? I have a, a fun question. I want to close out uh, this section with, but I want to make sure that there's room for any other uh, uh, ideas about the master and apprentice theme. I mean, anything I, else you want to say? I mean, I really want to dive into some of the Balin and Shin of it all because uh, yeah. um, the, the flip side of what we're discussing and what you brought up, Jen, I, again, I, I think that's an excellent point you made, Jen, of just uh, a lot of grumpiness going on in the beginning and a lot of fighting between master and apprentice. The flip side of that is Balin and Shin. There's no friction. It is a trusted, well-oiled killing machine. But the very, the moment Shin kind of points her compass in another direction, as we all have keep, kept mentioning this episode, Balin realizes this fairy tale world that he heard about is real. He's here now. He's starting to sniff something else in the force. And he's like, hey, kid, pound sand. Uh, you're ready. Take your place in the new empire. And, and she doesn't even get there. Right? Yeah. And, and, and you mentioned, Joseph, some, something about you know, uh, Ivana Sakno's performance is, is, is great. Uh, I read, I'm curious about your guys' reactions because it's all up to maybe interpretation, but I read Shin's last look, holding her blade, her red blade, high above her head, facing the marauders that I think she she might well now be leading. Some people don't thought maybe she was going down to destroy them. I, I don't know. I took it as she was leading them. It was a face of fear. She feels abandoned. She she's I, I think I, I would think so. I, and so instead of being who she is supposed to be, she is now bo- being who she thinks she needs to be powerful and feared in this moment. And that goes to the, the flip side again, going back to the Ahsoka and Sabine of it all of Sabine is now um, and, and Ezra. Look at even Ezra. And he makes his own decision and he found himself in that process. Sabine's making her own decision. She found herself in that process, just like Ahsoka made her own decision and found herself in that process. The flip side, Anakin made a decision and lost himself in the process, but they all were allowed to. And I think Shin's just literally figuratively lost in the spiritual wilderness going, I think this is what I'm supposed to do. And Balin's off on his uh, Joshua tree trip into the desert. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, it's a look of desperation, like, and fear, absolutely. I mean, it just, this was not her plan. I mean, she was she was on a certain path, and he literally just, like, kicks her out of the nest and basically tells her what she doesn't even know that that's what she wants. Like, he's yeah. like, this is really what you want. Go do it. And she's yeah. like, what? And her mm-hmm. reaction in that moment, she's like, oh, my gosh. And I just felt really bad for her. I felt bad for her in that moment when she's looking down um, with her with her blade in the air. I just was like, "What a sad, sad it, tale!" It, Don't it, go to, me, was, to that side, yeah. children. <laughs> yeah, to me, it was a it was a a portrait of the of the dark side of uh, I have been rejected by Balin. I have mm-hmm. been rejected by Thrawn and Morgan Elsbeth when they just left me, yeah, to die. 
Nice. Uh, the the lightsiders Ahsoka is reaching a hand out to me, but I don't trust that because I only know the acquisition of power through fear and domination. So I am going to dominate these marauders and turn them into my army of power. Mm-hmm. I, that's one of my favorite in, images in the show mm-hmm. of her with the red blade rays because it yeah. just feels like this is a little visual uh, poem of what the dark side is. Yeah, mm-hmm. but but oh, sorry, I didn't mean to. No, 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 go for it, go for it. I was just going to say, I think Ken, to your point, I think what's really beautiful about that is we've watched lots of uh, stories of the dark side where characters are kind of be, tried to be be pulled back by loved ones, and instead of being pulled back from the edge, she's kind of pushed into it. She's just told by Balin, "Eh, uh, I trained you to be something more." but I'm slipping you a little report card that says F minus you didn't become something more. You yeah. you just want domination. Hmm. So, so go get it, kid. I don't care. Yeah. There, there was something you could do. And I think there was some super cuts and, and this is a very well-received character, Shin, Shin Hati. Um, mm-hmm. But um, you could do a super cut of a lot of times in the show, her doing this, like, wait, what she turns, wait, what, <laughs> wait, what, mm-hmm. And, and I don't, I, I take that as a choice. I took that as a choice that, that plays out in the end of, wait, I haven't been taught anything. <laughs> like what? This right. is, nah, eh, eh. And, and it all ends into that moment uh, and this false sense of, of power out of, out of protection. I think it's almost a survival. All right. I got this blade. This means something. You're all going to fight mm-hmm. with me or, or going to fight against me if you don't want to. Yeah. Yeah. You described it, their relationship as a well, well-oiled machine, and it was on a practical, functional level. But right. the okay. difference was yeah. she was clearly just taking whatever he said, being spoon-fed. Mm-hmm. There were important things that apparently they had not talked about. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, important things that she didn't know. So clearly she was just being spoon-fed. So on the surface, a well-oiled machine, whereas this combative, frustrating relationship of pushing, pulling, questioning – that Ahsoka and Sabine has ultimately leads to this contrast where Sabine is given the elbow room to choose and she chooses connection of letting Ezra go. But I feel like for the master and apprentice relationship to work, we need to finally listen to Hu Yang and be together. And, it, you know, I think a, a triumph of a relationship that is more questioning rather than falling in line. Yeah, you ever been in a relationship that's, that's, uh, particularly one that's maybe romantic that you're like, this is great. We don't fight, argue, have discussions. It's great. And then you realize, oh yeah, no, that's not great. <laughs> I think maybe discuss things. I think that's the, the, the Shin and Balin thing. Like you said, you're absolutely right. You, you, you read my comment, right. Of yeah. Well-oiled machine from afar. <laughs> and mm-hmm. from afar. Yeah. Uh, so this is a, a hopefully fun question. Jennifer, which of the characters in this show would you want to be your mentor? Not Ahsoka. <laughs> She keeps too much of a distance. I need a I need a Hera who's gonna be like mm. emotionally supportive, give me kind of the tough love that I need, but in a way that's couched in like like nurturing kindness. Um, uh, I always look to maternal figures um in my life and in my mentors. And so yeah, it just seems like the most natural fit. Um, and she's a good listener, you know, mm-hmm. she's, and she's a good mom. I, I love the little scenes with her and, and Jason. I thought, that, yeah. I mean, Great. yeah, so well done. So well done. Ken, who, who would you want to be your mentor? Is it Balin's beard? It's Balin's beard. I, you, you, those who, uh, you know, watched this last week, I did a 
beard trim up this week because I need to fix it and and maybe look more like uh, Balin's beard. So I'm working <laughs> on it. I'm working on it. Uh, yeah, it's funny. There's a lot of great characters in here that are beloved and have been loved by us for a long time, including Mothma, uh, the mention of Leia. But I, I don't know if I choose any of them right now. It might just be Chopper. <laughs> Chopper yeah. be the guy. But Huang as well. And Huang uh, has some, I don't know, I want to say he has some lessons that we can learn from him here, uh, here in still old structures and those kind of things, the present. But I just really liked, he's, he's absolutely one of my favorite characters. And Joseph, you want to do an eight hour episode on, on him? I'm with you. Nice. Um, I think this was uh, uh, not just a neat pull forward from the Clone Wars. This was a, a character that, that uh, was there with great purpose. And, and I'd, I'd hang out with him and learn lessons from him. Yeah, I love how organic he is. I love that he has flaws, but he ultimately comes around to, I think, answers that are coded to be good answers, the most important answers he's correct on, and then a, a little uh, persnickety about some things, but but just <laughs> so uh, ultimately organic. And I, I love his role also that uh, uh, for somebody who fears connection but knows she needs it, like uh, Ahsoka, she can kind of lie to herself, like, it's just a droid, yeah. Yeah, just a, you know, thousand year old droid with more personality than most humans. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Uh, I go with Sabine. I really like Sabine in this show. And I feel like, you know, she would, she would be a fun mentor who uh, follows the spirit of the rule, not the uptight letter of the rule. Yeah. It almost has to by nature, both yep. her Mandalorian ways and now a connection to the Jedi ways. And it, and it has yep. to be different. Love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It has to be different. Mm-hmm. All right, we are heading toward our wrap-up here. Uh, Ken, were there any other um, big ideas or stakes that you wanted to be sure to mention this episode? Again, we're just scratching the surface, uh, yeah. but is there anything really big that you wanted to be sure to, to mention? I mentioned up top, but I'll wrap it up with this. I think the idea of all caps, what does it mean to be a Jedi, played out throughout the series based on a lot of what we're talking about here. I think it's just the um, – it's it's – the drive behind the existence of Ahsoka. I think that's, that's Dave, Dave is, you know, long, you know, so many interviews and quotes and comments and stuff. And we know he trained on the George and I think Ahsoka uh, uh, created uh, so long ago, but serves that purpose. And at times I've looked at the character and thought, man, she's really right. And everyone else is wrong. Or at least that's how it's played. And I like this episode it was a, little, a reversal of that. And, and I think we're going to come back to that. What does it mean to be, a Jedi that was key with Balin at the beginning. It was that was the key in the trailer, but also you're right about one thing. We ain't a Jedi. Um, I really like that. And, and I want to also point out, um, I just really like the energy of Ezra Imanis Fondi. Uh, it, it was pitch perfect. I, we're going to discuss the animation to live action kind of stuff later on, putting a pin in that, but I just felt his story survived in a desolate land. I, I love the, the big lesson here that we can dive into down the line too, Joseph and Jennifer, is, is, is he survived in a desolate land full of marauders that prey on each other. That was very clearly stated. And he survived by breaking that cycle with a group that focuses on protection uh, as, 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 uh, as their way of life because that's their choice. And, and I thought that was beautiful, well played out. And just by the time he shows up, that I, I was tired of the shoegazing emo rock and he, he brought in some pub rock that, that, that ratcheted it all up. Yeah, no, I really agree. I think I loved, uh, you know, circle back. We can't leave him alone. Let's that, that's, that's the answer to somebody being in trouble is yeah. well, if one of us is in trouble, all of us in, is in trouble and we'll, we'll fight together. And yeah, true to the character of Ezra and just a, just a, a great pop of, forward movement, energy, positivity, 
Yeah. Uh, someone had pointed out in, in uh, online and a critic, and, and I agreed. I think just by happenstance of the stories that are being told on Disney Plus, a lot of our main characters have a reason to be dour, reserved, tragic, brokenhearted. So mm-hmm. I think we were all feeling the need for like a Han Solo, young Kenobi, and Phantom Menace zip of personality and flair and fun. And Ezra provided that in such a big way. So I think. Yeah an important thing to me. Jennifer, how about you? Any other big ideas or stakes that you wanted to discuss? I think absolutely. The What what does it mean to be a Jedi? And specifically, who is allowed to be a Jedi? And I think that Filoni mm-hmm. really made it very clear anyone can be a Jedi. Anyone can be, Is we are all connected in the force. Anyone can be force sensitive. You don't have to be related to, you know, it's not by bloodline. And I think that that's why I loved The Last Jedi so much is because it kind of, played with that but this show really hammered that home with mm-hmm. sabine and um i thought that that was great i like it i like it yeah. shout it to the people in the back <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah we, we touched on a little bit the the breaking the cycle and different uh ideas of how to do that we were set up with the cycle of of uh the star wars to continue with thrawn and hey a planet full of night sisters that's amazing uh night sister corpses right now but we'll see uh there's a lot in the show about uh, fate in the string of fate and the night sisters, the, the great mothers looking at things and weaving what was always meant to be with the sudden loose strands and the whole Sabine was destined to always make this choice. I think there's some interesting things to, to pull apart there. Uh, but the final thing I'll say is uh, echoing the old and the new, if you analyze just the text of the show, uh, we started with a uh, longing for the loss, uh, but it's about, uh, everybody living in this present time and how are things going to be different or or the same based on our choices. A master and apprentice relationship is by definition the old uh, begetting the new and how is it going to be different? And, and I also agree that it is a question about what it is it to be a Jedi. But I feel like a lot of those questions in the past have been, what is it to be a Jedi during the prequels when the order is falling apart? What is it to be a Jedi when you're uh, a Boken Jedi, as they say, when you're abandoned and alone, there's no structure. Uh, but this is now raising this different question that we get to spend time of, of what is what is it to be a Jedi now when we can start fresh and make new choices? Mm-hmm. And, I, and I'm really interested to see that explore. Final thing is, is, you know, meta. It's not just the text. But if you do, as so many of us love discussing, that, you know, Filoni is the apprentice to... Uh, Lucas, who has now become the master in one of the first shows he makes, is about how the the now master is haunted by the good and the bad choices <laughs> of the former master. But now I'm in charge of the new future of not going to violate the old ideas. The old ideas matter, is Hu Yang always says. They do matter, but there's also room for the new. Mm-hmm. It, it makes it not just, here's more Star Wars. Y- you know there's something personal, there's yeah. something real there that's about a, the real world funneling through a real human being, and that makes it great. Yeah. 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 All right. That is our first discussion of Ahsoka. Much more to come. Ken, you want to take us home? I do. I, I, I'm withholding some very fun spirited snark, but I'm going to – I'm gonna. we're going to do that later on. Uh, <laughs> what do you take forward for your master's felonies? Uh, something to ask. Uh, all right. Here's where you can find us. 
Thanks for watching, by the way. By the way, we this was our first. We decided, you know, this isn't always going to be staring into the camera, talking head pundit show. This is you're watching us record a podcast. And what better way to start that off with me sniffling and coughing and us all muting mics? Uh, this is what we're having a lot of fun doing over here. You can find us on Twitter and threads at Force Center Pod or on Instagram as well. Facebook page is Force Center Podcast. We're available on a lot of different spots as a podcast, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Uh, thank you all. We also had a problem recently with our podcast in other countries. The issue supposedly has been worked out. Let us know if there's still an issue. Merch available at tpublic.com slash user slash center. And you can support us directly at patreon.com slash center. Uh, you can follow me at Ken Napsock. Go to my website, kennapsock.com. For the holidays, I'll be selling personalized copies of my book, Why We Love Star Wars, through my website. Check for that soon. Also, if you're LA local or heading heading to LA Comic-Con. I'll be part of this panel. I got to pull it up because the artists behind your favorite characters in a galaxy far, far away could not say the word Star Wars, but I will be there moderating the panel <laughs> behind, behind the scenes folks of these uh, very shows. So uh, Sunday, three o'clock LA Comic-Con. Joseph, where can they find and follow you, sir? Yeah, you can find me on all the social media. Is that Joseph Scrimshaw, Blue Sky in particular, and, and Instagram. I'm trying to spend uh, more time at both of those places. Uh, if you want to check out the short horror film uh, that uh, I made with several wonderful people this year, it's called The Nightmare Adorable. And there are two ways to check it out this coming weekend. If you happen to be in Vegas or, hey, you'll want to be in Vegas, it's playing at the Sin City Horror Fest in particular. It is showing at on Saturday, December 2nd at 4 p.m. I'll be there in Vegas. There'll be a Q&A afterwards. Uh, you can get a ticket to just that individual shorts block uh, in just the uh, those shorts. If you're interested in more cosmic horror films, uh, The Nightmare Adorable is going to be part of the HP Lovecraft Film Festival's online festival. And you can find out all the information by going to hplfilmfestival.com or go to my website for all this information, josephscrimshaw.com. That's it, Jen. You take us home with where they can find and follow you. I was uh, spending a little bit more time on TikTok this weekend, Jen, and I tried liking every one of your Lisa Frank videos that popped up. Thank you. I appreciate it. You can find those Lisa Frank videos on TikTok at Jennifer Landa 1138. I'm on Instagram and here on YouTube, if you're watching us on YouTube, at Jennifer Landa. That is it. All right. New era of Force Center begins now. We're taking the old and combining it with the new and moving forward. We hope you are as well. We'll see you next time here on Force Center. Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 